Hello, I'm Bree. Welcome to the Chocolate Bar. Our lives, our strength, our time. Thank you for joining me again for another phenomenal episode of this podcast. Um, tonight is really special for me for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, usually I, when I'm picking out guests for the podcast, I've it's either folks that I sort of, you know, have followed on social media or on Instagram or have had the opportunity to chat with, you know, maybe once or twice before. And then, you know, in so doing the podcast, I kind of get to know them a little better or whatever. This time, this is someone that I've actually grown to know and love um, over the course of the last year or so. And not only because she's an amazing athlete, but because she is an amazing person. And I can't wait for y'all to hear her story. So with that being said, I'm going to welcome friend of the podcast, Kay. Hey, girl. Hey, Bree. How are you? I'm wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking time out to join me this evening. So for our listeners, go ahead and tell them who you are and what you do? Well, um, I often describe myself as a lover of joy and believer in compassion. And um, that sounds kind of like an out of the ordinary way of representing myself. Uh, But I do really believe in describing myself truly with depth and with accuracy. And um, I do think that I describe myself in a way that removes attachment from anything that my body can physically do or anything that my mind can perform. Um, and a believer of joy and lover of compassion <laughs> is a way that, uh, that, that describes that pretty well. Um, more commonly, I guess, for ways that we describe ourselves usually, um, I am an athlete. I'm a powerlifter. Um, I'm also a project manager, so I work in corporate project management. And that, that about describes it. <laughs> well, so first of all, you've already stolen one of my questions that I had for you later. Oh, <laughs> so thanks a lot. Uh, no, and, and actually, unintentional. <laughs> right, right. No, it, it's interesting, because literally, one of the questions that I was going to ask you that I, you know, tend to randomly ask people because it was asked to me one day and gave me pause was describe yourself without using your relation to others or things. So right. you literally the fact that you that's what you let off with just really makes me feel all warm and happy inside. And, you know, I think it's definitely something that a lot of us can can take lessons for, like, you know, keep asking yourself, who am I? And, you know, as you start to dig deeper and reveal the layers, you'll start to realize who you are and not I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a sister, I'm an athlete. Like, who are you? Right. Um, so I really love that we actually started with that. Didn't I tell y'all she was amazing? Ugh. So I love <laughs> that you. you started with that. But again, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, so I guess the first thing um, I love to ask people about is, you know, kind of their journey to their um, their sport. So did you find powerlifting or did it find you? Uh, I would say, you know, maybe it's it's kind of both uh, mm-hmm. because I started off with I did a variety of uh, different sport disciplines before finding powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of I was really quite lazy in high school. I mean, (laughs) it's so hard to believe. (laughs) It is true. It's such a far cry from who I am right now, because I mean, Mm -hmm. I I just, I can't get enough activity at the moment, but uh, yeah, but in high school, it it wasn't anything like that. And um, 
after college, I actually found uh, yoga, and mm-hmm. I became a yogi for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. um, I even became a yoga instructor, and oh, wow. I kind of got a little bit bored, uh, as mm-hmm. I tend to do, mm-hmm. and I did MMA for a few years after that, decided that I didn't want to be competitive in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... Can you say what that is for folks who may not know? Oh, of course, of course. It's mixed martial arts. Uh, so, um, you know, some of the disciplines of MMA are like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. uh, you could do kickboxing, taekwondo. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are some pretty, some pretty, you know, strong examples of it. Okay. Uh, so I decided I didn't want to be competitive in MMA. I really didn't have the urge to fight and, you mm-hmm. know, knock somebody out and right. <laughs> uh, kind of want to be a champ in that way. So I did CrossFit for a bit mm-hmm. and I realized I wasn't a great CrossFitter, but I was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And after noticing that pretty early on in my CrossFit career, I started to power lift and there happened to be a powerlifting program in the CrossFit gym that I was a member of. Uh-huh. And, you know, the rest is history. Ah. Yeah, it's always so interesting to me how how, you know, especially women and especially black women kind of how, you know, we arrive at these different places because I think, you know, oftentimes for many folks, not all, um, you know, it starts with a kind of a basic foray into fitness because a lot of us, you know, at some point have been told that we are not the standard and, you know, we are not what, you know, what we look like is wrong. And so we set about these journeys to try to fix that. Um, So I'm always excited to hear someone who, you know, didn't necessarily have to um, deal with that or or, um, that experience. But I did want to ask you, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your, um, relationship was with your self-image and your body as a young woman and growing up. You mentioned that in high school you were, you know, somewhat lazy and didn't really, I'm assuming, participate in sports. So what was that mm-hmm. experience like for you growing up as a young woman? Uh, growing up, um, I really, you know, I didn't really have the opportunity to participate in a whole lot. Uh, I had mm-hmm. a, a pretty shelter childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I migrated here when I was about 13 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, From? From Brazil. Well, from both Brazil and Guyana. So I was born in in Guyana. um, Mm -hmm. And I was raised back and forth between both countries uh, because my parents were in medicine in each country. So Mm -hmm. my mother is Guyanese and my dad's Brazilian. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I I was raised uh, between both countries and moved here when I was 13. So Mm -hmm. I was a dancer when I was younger. um, Mm -hmm. And it was such a long time ago that I sort of just vaguely remember that experience. Mm -hmm. But I was not at all confident in the body that I was in, um, especially after after moving here in high school, because Mm -hmm. I moved here, you know, gained a lot of weight, Mm -hmm. um, didn't necessarily, uh, I didn't grow up with a lot of a lot of influence in that area, uh, meaning that, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of affirmations that, mm-hmm. like, you're strong and you're powerful and, right. you know, your body's a wonderland and all mm-hmm. of those things. Um, so I, I I didn't find that identity really until after discovering uh, different sports on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, um that being said, as you started to, you know, get into CrossFit and powerlifting and all of that, 
How how did um, you know either first CrossFit or powerlifting? How did that change your relationship with your body and how you saw yourself? Well, it, it changed so much. I mean, it changed my relationship with my physical body for sure. It changed mm-hmm. my you know my relationship uh, with my mind. It changed mm-hmm. basically basically everything about me. Uh, when I started CrossFit was the first time that. I really started seeing myself as capable and strong Mm -hmm. and, you know, able to help myself out of any physical situation and also Mm -hmm. able to help other people. Um, Prior to that, you know, doing yoga, I felt flexible. I felt uh, I felt a lot of things. I felt healthy. I didn't feel strong. Um, and doing CrossFit and especially powerlifting was my first introduction to what it feels like to be in a body that feels capable of doing so much, Mm -hmm. um, not Mm -hmm. just physically, but, but also mentally. Interesting. Um, and I always like to ask people this, especially if I find that they, you know, didn't, weren't born in the U S or, you know, um, immigrated from another place. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what your experience was like as um, a black woman, um, you know, in Brazil in terms of, mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of how you moved through the world as a young black woman versus here. I'm, I'm assuming and thinking it's probably it was probably a very different experience. It is. Um, so I'd really love to hear about that. It is. It is. It's it's shockingly different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, that maybe were born and raised in the U.S. just can't imagine uh, how different it is in terms right. of forming an identity, mm-hmm. you know, race, politics, racism. Um, racism is, is very is very different here in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. and in what way? Because here, I mean, there's a there's a very distinct, you know, history of slavery, obviously. Right. There's a lot that still exists in the aftermath of slavery. <laughs> coming <Yeah>. from... <laughs> coming it's like from that's the understatement country. of the year. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, and here, it's also very distinct, the differences and the ways that people are treated between black and white. You know, right. not to say those are like the only two like right. racial makeups, but those mm-hmm. are the predominant ones that that tend to separate us here right um, if you're not white you're black right and in Brazil and also in Guyana it's it, it, it it's very different from that at least in my experience growing mm-hmm. up um, I actually did not identify as a young black girl hmm. which those words make me sad now wow. <laughs> you know? that's interesting yeah yeah those uh, just recognize so how did that. you self-identify um, I, I, I don't know that I did. Um, uh. I really had no relationship to race at all that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I am mixed race. And right. so there were just a lot of, uh, there, the, the attitude towards mixed race people, you know, where I grew up in Brazil, uh, was just very different than the attitude towards blacks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you were seen as very different from being black because right. there's just a lot of different categories that you identify mm-hmm. with racially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I, yeah, I grew up as, as a mixed race girl, not as a black girl, I feeling mm-hmm. really conflicted because I wasn't, 
I didn't feel that either group was my community. <laughs> so I didn't quite identify with the white side of my family. Um, I didn't identify with the black part of my family and another mm-hmm. part of my family is Indian. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't really identify with them either. Wow. So, you know, I, I, I often think, you know, how different things would happen, perhaps mm-hmm. if I grew up recognizing that I'm a black right. woman and everything that that means and how powerful that makes me feel right. uh, because I, I, I didn't really have any of that. I'm wondering, too, because, um, you know, just kind of from, you know, anecdotal information and things that I've read and studied or whatever, I know that, you know, colorism plays a huge sort of role in kind of how, you know, folks relate to each other in, in, you know, various parts of of the world and the diaspora and the islands and things like that, as it does here. It's just a little it's obviously it's it's different here. But I'm wondering if you you know, we're kind of exposed to that scenario or kind of if you had any um, experience with that, you know, while you were still in Brazil. Oh, absolutely. I think if anything, that's something that I experienced quite a lot of, mm, <laughs> uh, even, you know, by my own, by my mm-hmm. own family. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, there's a lot of undertones, you know, of, of, of colorism. Um, some of it was even really overt. There's nicknames for people, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know, that go, according to complexion right. in Brazil. And um, yeah, I mean, my own family called me a mutt like growing mm. up. And uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different, different things used to, that were used to describe mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in, in terms of complexion, um, because I'm not a very dark person, I wasn't really seen as black. And also because right. of my racial makeup, I wasn't I wasn't seen as black, but definitely mm-hmm. I experienced uh, colorism a lot. If, mm-hmm. if anything, I saw um, I saw a lot of how that that affects, you know, even children yeah. growing up for sure. Mm, interesting, interesting. So um, let's let's pop back to to powerlifting a bit. So um, you started, you know, you were introduced to powerlifting. How were you um, introduced to it? I know you said that you kind of segued from, you know, CrossFit, but like, did you just, you know, kind of say, hey, I'm going to do this. Or someone said, you'd be a really great powerlifter. Like, how did you kind of make that decision or have that realization that this was the the sport for you? Yeah. So there was one day that uh, I'll never forget, but we were testing our front squats and our deadlifts. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the number for my front squat, but I just remember that it was much, we we were all new, you know, this Mm -hmm. is probably like my third or fourth month of CrossFit. And um, I remember that the number that I front squat was just happens to be like significantly more than anybody else. And mm. everyone was like, Hey, well, what did you do before this? Did you lift weights? Did you, right. <laughs> were you like, active? Uh, no. Somehow you're strong. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, no, I just, I grew up doing a lot of physical work and chores and mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. maybe that's what it was. And right. um, I remember that my, my deadlift was like 245, which walking off the street and doing wow. CrossFit for three months. That's, yeah. And having yeah. like that's a impressive. 245 deadlift is, is probably pretty unique. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And there was a realization at that point, um, 
after, you know, after noticing how much stronger I was than that class at the time, it was like, hey, you know, this is probably something that you should look into. Mm-hmm. And someone mentioned to me, someone that I was in a class with mentioned to me that there was a powerlifting class and that maybe I should think about checking it out. Mm-hmm. And the powerlifters were kind of the underdogs in the CrossFit mm-hmm. gym, you mm-hmm. know? Like, <laughs> oh, yes. That, that constant, you know, team this, team that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We weren't really seen as well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, everybody thought we just like squat, bench, deadlift, and that's all we do. And there's right. no other thing. Right. Um, and so I was like, hey, do I really want to leave this community of people and join this different community of people? Right. But I tried it out and, mm-hmm. uh, and I I ended up loving it and mm-hmm. I fit in really well and I was I was pretty adept at it so mm-hmm. it stuck cool and how long have you been um, exclusively powerlifting it's been almost six years I believe wow really how yeah I know that okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so October is gonna be six years mm-hmm. since I've mm-hmm. been exclusively powerlifting yeah it's also what? gonna mark the six-year anniversary of my first meet because even oh, when I was wow. getting ready for my first meet I was still crossfitting every once in a while uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and not powerlifting very very seriously until I got the competitive bug and yeah. that changed do you miss crossfit at all I do mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do and uh it you know depending on the community depending on who you talk to it, right. it, it kind of gets a bad rep Right, um, right. But I do love CrossFit. I mean, I loved it so much that I got my level one and became oh, okay. a CrossFit coach even mm-hmm. after competing in powerlifting for yeah. a number of years. So, uh, yeah, I miss it. I mean, it's a very different feeling when, you, yeah. when you're, like, on the ground struggling to find a breath. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> As you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you can keep moving even though you're so disconnected from, like, your your, your mind and your body feel so entirely disconnected because right. your mind is like, we can't do this. You should stop now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And your body is like, no, we like this. We want to move. Right, um, right. So I miss that feeling time so I do yeah. all sorts of things off program that I shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing you know <laughs> don't listen coach um, don't listen <laughs> yeah yeah coach just just skip past this part right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it 18 minutes and 22 seconds if you are a, ca- a case coach please skip <laughs> yeah yeah Sean just just you know get out of here for now <laughs> right um yeah so I I do sprints every once in a while just mm-hmm. today I did a circuit like around the block with a sandbag mm-hmm. and some burpee pull-ups and so I do I do really enjoy enjoy mm-hmm. like aspects of CrossFit oh cool so we talked a little bit about how you how your um, perspective with respect to your physical self changed um, as you you know transitioned into powerlifting can you tell us a little bit about how your perspective on other aspects of you changed whether it was you know mentally emotionally spiritually what are some of the other things that um, powerlifting had an impact and effect on in your life well, I definitely learned uh, the difference between lifting for intrinsic versus extrinsic reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like just my identity as a power lifter, what that meant to me if mm-hmm. I was executing these movements at these weights for other people or was it for myself? Um mm-hmm. 
so that I could feel powerful or so right. that I could, you know, have this reputation as being powerful for other mm-hmm. people. Mm. So um, I, it, it applied to so many different aspects of my life because for the first time, you know, with powerlifting, I really thought about my actions just as a whole, mm-hmm. what I was doing um, that was for my own self-fulfillment that mm-hmm. was, you know, because I had an intrinsic love for it versus what my ex- what what the expectations were by other people right. Um, right. for me to fulfill. So that was one of the most powerful things that I really, mm-hmm. I grappled with that for a long time, just with what that meant. Um, mm-hmm. And that was one of the most powerful things I, I would say that I learned um, that I learned with with powerlifting for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, your so a couple of different things. So, you know, I'm pretty sure you're well aware, well aware of the fact that even though it, it does seem to be changing and it is more visible, there aren't a whole lot of us on the platform. Um, Absolutely. And I'm, I'm sure when you started, there really weren't a lot of us on the platform. Not at all. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think one of the, you know, one of the rare things that social media is good for is, is having given more visibility to the sport. Right. But I'm interested to hear kind of from your perspective what that experience has been like, you know, even, you know, six years ago versus now being probably one, the only or one of few, you know, black women, you know, either competing or, you know, uh, just kind of powerlifting on a team or in a gym or what have you. What, what has that experience been like for you? It, it's been, it's been interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like you said, when I started powerlifting, I cannot remember, another black girl that I shared a platform with Mm -hmm. at all. Um, And it didn't, you know, because like powerlifting and local meets especially uh, can be such a supportive environment. It wasn't something that like it, you know, it bothered me. It's sort of like that little bug that you notice, right, obviously, right, and you're like, right. oh, well, you know, this is this is interesting. Um, right. But I didn't really feel excluded because of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until um, my first national meet, which actually was just a couple months after my first meet ever, mm-hmm. um, I saw like other black girls on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I met Kim Walford for the first mm-hmm. time, who was like the goat. Of, still of, the you know, goat. Still <laughs> the goat. I mean. Shout out, hey girl, Kim. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I met her for the first time and I was like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. she looks like me. She's right. strong as hell. Right. She's capable. And mm-hmm. she spoke about the sport in ways that were so demanding. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, she expected a lot of herself and she right. gave a lot back. Right. Uh, and so she, she sort of became like unofficially like one of my first mentors mm-hmm. in powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And through her, I saw other black girls that she was coaching right. um, at the American open. That was like 2014 American open, I think 2015, mm-hmm. some of the, some one of those years. Um, and you know, then I realized I was like, Oh, we're here, but right the problem is that we're not seen <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of us, but even right. the ones that exist, like we're just not out there enough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, so I, I, it, it, it started, you know, the whole idea of like inclusion and representation right. definitely started to, to matter to me more at that mm-hmm. point after I saw that it was a problem. Right, right. And what do you, so what do you attribute that to, right? Do you think it's a matter of just, again, sort of lack of visibility? Do you think it's something a little bit more... Shall we say deliberate at play on certain folks' parts? Like, what do you, what do you think is preventing us from getting on the platform? Yeah, more of us, rather. I think it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, social media obviously has helped a lot with right. showing that you know, powerlifting is not a white you know, mm-hmm. neo-Nazi sport. <laughs> like, right, right. It's not, it's not just that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really transformed. There's a lot more women involved in powerlifting just overall. Right. And, you know, now we get to see that there's like beautiful women of color also mm-hmm. on the platform um, taking, taking that role and showing everyone what we're capable of. So I, I hesitate to say that I think it's been, deliberate that we you know have not been represented but Mm -hmm. you know I guess in a way I could say that it's been like unconsciously deliberate if such a thing can exist because it seems easier to you know put images out there that are more acceptable Mm -hmm. and I I say acceptable in quotes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to America you know entirely um and a lot of what we see out there is just devoid of true representation it's devoid of 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 what's real um even when you look at the bodies that are out there like the bodies that are out there are not representative of like real bodies that we see every day Mm -hmm. um so in that aspect i think you know some of that is deliberate because like you know, there has to be some sort of accountability right, if, right. if you're choosing to only show certain faces um, right. and only show certain bodies. And then on the other hand, um, I think that we are learning just women in general and especially like black women. I think at this point we are owning more of our own physical strength and sport. Mm -hmm. And we are paving ways for ourselves. We're not waiting for other people to say, hey, I notice you. (laughs) Right, right. You know, like we are making those those roads uh, for ourselves now, which is incredible. Yeah, I I think really, you know, it's interesting because you always... You know, hear people kind of prattle on about prattle on about, you know, a seat at the table and a seat at the table. And, you know, I'm more and more of the opinion of fuck that. Let's build our own table. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Straight up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, why wait to get an invitation? Just just create your own shit. You know, Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I think, you know, a lot more of us and not just you know in in powerlifting but in strength sports in general i think a lot more of us are are really starting to come to that realization and do that so you know i definitely it's it's an exciting um you know development i think and i'm I'm excited to see where it goes um so i think one of the things too about you know when we talk about you know the black community and you know fitness and health in general like i said i think you know it's weird. It's like, you know, white supremacy is a hell of a drug in terms of 
setting for us and, and us internalizing kind of what the standard is in terms of physical attractiveness or, you know, how to show up and what we should look like. And we almost never look like that and we almost never measure up. Right. And I mm-hmm. think for a lot of, um, you know, women who, you know, maybe see a Kim Walford or see some of these, you know, women being, you know, massively strong and like, wow, that seems really cool. But they're hesitant. Because, you know, they either are thinking, okay, well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to look like a man Mm, or what have you. (laughs) Like, what would you, what advice would you give to someone, a woman who, you know, sees you and sees you kicking ass in the gym and is like, I really want to try that, but they're hesitant. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, like, let's attack the whole, you know, not wanting to be bulky thing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because, I mean, I am on a perpetual journey to be bulky. Right. And and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I think, and as I said that, I kind of, you know, kicked myself because for me, you know, and and I've, I've, had women say that to me and I'm like oh you're not going to be bulky this is what will happen if you lift heavy or whatever and then right. finally one day I said well what the fuck is wrong with being bulky right like, why is right. that why is it even that that's the default of this is the thing that you don't want to be so I, I'm really I'm glad that you kind of you know went in that direction absolutely absolutely I mean yeah there's there's absolutely there's nothing wrong with being bulky mm-hmm. there's absolutely nothing wrong with muscle and you know even that's changing now like we're right. seeing we're seeing women all over that yeah. are dropping the the language of you know saying oh I want to be toned I mean you definitely right. still hear it don't get me wrong right, right but uh yeah but women are embracing embracing muscle now mm-hmm. um and that's been that's been great. And whatever your body goals are, whatever your physical goals are, is okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we really have to change the language around that, and we really have right. to just like support whatever it is that someone wants to attain for themselves physically. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I I hope that women who well. I hope that the the hesitation is changing. You know, mm-hmm. I hope that the attitudes around lifting weights is changing. I see it changing. Um, I know that there are still lots of women who are really hesitant to 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 try out not just powerlifting, but lifting any weights. You know, picking mm-hmm. up a barbell, picking mm-hmm. up some dumbbells, trying CrossFit, um, and. I would say if you can't find a reason to do it physically, then find a reason to do it mentally. Right. Because there are so many of those. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, feeling strong and feeling capable of doing things. And, you know, just like in everyday life, the ability to like just be functionally fit, as we say. and carry groceries better and not need help mm-hmm. carrying a case of water and right. you know um climbing stairs without so much difficulty like there are many things that that you know as women can really help us feel like mentally stronger and um i would say that's a really a really good reason to just to just start right right well you made the case for me i love it um awesome <laughs> so and one of the i also wanted to touch on because you know they're, they're kind of intertwined we talked about sort of kind of the racial um kind of you know sort of undertones overtones with respect to powerlifting there's also i think um you know 
<laughs> I hate to say a tinge because it sounds like I'm, I'm it, it's an understatement, but a tinge of misogyny. And you notice it a lot, you know, on particularly on, you know, women's, you know, power lifters and like, again, other athletes, social media accounts of, you know, they can't just be lifting to be strong. Some some dude has to come on and be like, oh, well, you know, this is how you actually do that. And you're like, oh gosh, thanks, yes. guy who's never lifted, telling me who's been lifting for six years how to fucking do this. Yeah, or, you know, girl. just finding some... <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Just finding some way to tear us down. And I think, again, that, that plays a lot into why, you know, women may hesitate, not even just to power lift, but just to go in the gym in general. Um, you know, and I know that you've had kind of an up close and personal experience with that recently um i'm you know i i'm not necessarily focused on that but Mm -hmm. i would love to know given the experience that you had what are some of the lessons that you learned or took away in terms of you know having the confidence again to take up space in in training and in the gym and in powerlifting like what are some of the takeaways for you or, you know, for you that you could give to women that say, again, I don't want to go in the part where the, you know, the gym where the men are and, you know, whatever, or, or even if they're experiencing issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to give the first part of this advice, um, but I'll give right. some, I'll give some, some, some background information on it. So, uh, you know, as I described, like being lazy in high school and like just, in college, I was very much a bookworm, and I also had to mm-hmm. work to pay my way through. Um, mm-hmm. And that led to just a really unhealthy attitude with food, right. an unhealthy relationship with food, I should say. And I gained a lot of weight. So mm-hmm. I started working out at home because mm-hmm. I was one of those people that were like, hey, you know, I'm not sure how I would feel in a gym, just right. in general. Right. Um, much less like, you know, being in the male gaze, mm-hmm, like in a more mm-hmm. intimate way, because right. like you're wearing tight clothing, you may be wearing right. less clothing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I was that, that girl at that point, um, who just really, who wanted to lose some weight, who wanted to more so get healthy and feel right. better and was very hesitant about the best way to approach that. So mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to send the message to women that, okay, you need to work out at home to gain some confidence to go outside. But if that's what it takes, then you can always start there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I did. Uh, I started working out at home. I did like P90X programs. And Mm -hmm, then I realized mm -hmm. I got really good at them. Um, And it sort of, you know, it it helped kind of push me to that point of being confident enough to mm-hmm. step foot in a gym and mm-hmm. to step foot in a gym and not seem completely clueless, you know, right. and to not need to ask for a whole lot of help. Asking for right. help is totally fine, but sometimes yeah. you kind of just don't want to, you know? Right. Um, right. And so I would say like, there's, there's always things like that. There's, you know, um, there's going to the park, there's, there's, there's jogging. There's, there's lots of ways of being active outside of being in the gym. As for being in the gym, mm-hmm. um, working out with a friend is always a really great idea. It's sad that as women, we have to think about exactly. so many ways of exactly. like being safe and feeling yeah. safe. 
Exactly. It really is. But until you work up to the point of knowing that, okay, I can take care of myself if something mm-hmm. happens, I can adeptly say something back if something rude, you know, is said to me or right. disrespectful, you know, it's, it's, it's really little steps. And yeah. I think working out with a friend is a really, really great way, you know, to, to try to get past that. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is interested in lifting, and I know barbell gyms are few and far between for a lot right. of this country, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if there's a chance that you can get into one, sometimes the mm-hmm. environment in a CrossFit gym or a barbell gym is a little bit more supportive than in right. a commercial gym. Right. Um, so if you can get into one of those, you know, that, that may be a really great way too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have the resources to work out with a personal trainer or to get a coach, right. getting, you know, if you're comfortable, like a female coach or a female personal trainer to kind of show you around, to get you more acclimated, that's mm-hmm. another way that that, that that can help a lot. Right. Um, and, like, don't get confused, you know. There, I'm mean, not you specifically, but <laughs> I think a lot of women who, like, see other women, you know, in the gym and kicking out and all this stuff they tend to think oh well you know they're just a lot more confident they can do that but I don't know if I can right and it's it's just it it's such a process but just know that starts at the beginning at some point absolutely and just knowing that like you know these things I mean like you said I had an experience which was really jolting and right as strong as I felt when somebody like turned around and threatened me and then Mm -hmm. touched me in a way that Mm -hmm. was inappropriate, I felt stuck, you know, and it's like, I didn't know what to do. And so just knowing that even the strongest and most capable among us, like, unfortunately, these things still happen. Right. And anyone can feel stuck and anyone can feel helpless. And it doesn't mean that you're not strong and it doesn't mean that you're not weak. Mm-hmm. These are mm-hmm. just unfortunately things that we have to try to deal with. Right, right. And and again, kind of, you know, sort of coming through that experience, you know, like, let's say there's a someone and she's in the gym and that kind of situation is going on. You know, what are some what are some takeaways or some things that she could do to, to maybe make herself feel safer or to kind of take steps to, you know, sort of alleviate that type of situation? Yeah, yeah. Um, Just based upon your experience. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a tough, it's such a tough question because, like, I remember just how, how, I mean, I don't even have a word for it, but I just felt so unable to do anything, you know? Um, So I think for me, it was really just baby steps, but I Mm -hmm. had a lot of, I had a lot of hesitation, like stepping foot yeah. into the gym for a while right. after that experience because right. I didn't know what, what would happen, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there were men witnessing that experience that did not lend a hand right, right. <laughs> and did not do anything. So I think that can make you feel really powerless. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a really, that's a really tough question. I think changing the environment, um, yeah you know, if the opportunity is there is a really great way. Um, If you, yeah, working out with someone else is a really great way. But I think maybe trying to surround yourself in a different community, um, you know, definitely like telling someone about your experience, someone you trust and someone 
who can maybe step in and help mm-hmm. with that process mm-hmm. can be really, really beneficial. Um, right. Yeah. For me, I had to do a combination of all of that. I had to change yeah. my environment first and foremost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then I, I used various tools. I got, I got my, my community to back me, which right. that support was incredible. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. telling people about what happened and right. knowing that I'm not the only person that that happened to right. um, helped me feel a lot, a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Listen, I was like, I'm ready to roll up there and fight. So, you know, yeah, I was like, you were... mess with my cat. Listen. You were such great support. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's like even, you know, even people saying that to you, like, jokingly makes you feel like, yeah, right. like, we yeah. got this. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. Like, we exactly. can all roll up in there and we can do stuff and we can get this done. And Strength, strength in numbers. Seriously, seriously. Yeah. I mean, that is not to be underestimated. That yeah. that helped a lot. Absolutely. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to, you know, kind of dig a little into um, is, you know, when I kind of first became aware of you on social media, um, you know, I'd seen some of your posts with respect to powerlifting, and I was like, first of all, she's fine as hell. Second of all, yeah. she can dress her ass off, like, and she's strong. Like, I was just like like whoa who is this person um and i think shortly thereafter is you know when you kind of found yourself in the midst of a health crisis Mm -hmm. um and i wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing with listeners kind of what that experience was like for you trying to sort of navigate that space as well as powerlifting and kind of again what powerlifting gave you in terms of you know kind of navigating your health from that point um if you could share a little bit with that about us or share with us a little bit about that (laughs) (laughs) sure so um i competed at a meet um let me see that was november of 2017 Mm -hmm. and Um, after competing at that meet, I started noticing that I was, you know, really tired, kind of drained, um, just had no energy whatsoever. I was pretty unmotivated, didn't feel great. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, competing is, is not exactly a healthy thing all the time. Right. right. So of course I thought, Hey, I'm having post meet blues, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a real thing. You compete, you kind of get in the dumps a little bit. Right. Right. Uh, and I was like, Hey, this is no big deal. This is going to pass. Um, but I realized it really wasn't. And uh, I'm very on top of my health when I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also uh, had a history of ovarian cancer already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I went for blood work and got checkups and everything like that. And it took a couple months to find out that my cancer was back. Mm-hmm. Um and that was a really challenging experience uh, right. for me. Um, I mean, I was training. I felt great. You know, I was lethargic, but I was still showing up at the gym and I was still mm-hmm. kind of kicking ass and I still felt good. Right. Uh, and then after, you know, my surgery, um, after chemo with being diagnosed, um, re-diagnosed, that was... Mm-hmm. A kick in the ass, <laughs> you know what I mean. That when was were, when were you diagnosed the first time? If you know what I, mean, I was diagnosed the first time. Um, what year was that? 
in 2015. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that was, was that the same experience? Like you, like you just kind of knew something was off or how did you find out sort of at no, that point that, with that was, initial diagnosis? It was actually by accident. Really? <laughs> um, yeah, it was. So I was getting bloated a lot. Um, and I, I, I've had endometriosis uh, for a long time. I was diagnosed mm-hmm. with that in 2010. Mm-hmm. So I was getting bloated a lot. Um, you know, my my periods were really heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting full really quickly. Like I mm-hmm. would take out, a, I would heat up a meal and I would have maybe like five or six bites and then I was really full. And I was like, hey, this right. is weird. Um, mm-hmm. But then I had some weight loss. And at that point of life, I was like, hey, I'll take it. So right, right. <laughs> I really did not take it as seriously as I should have. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, my doctor decided to have... Uh, exploratory surgery to see if um, I had any like endometriosis lesions growing back, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on, because I was also having a lot of pain. And so we went in there and then thought everything was fine, had my right. surgery. Uh, I think I was I was in the hospital for a little bit. I had some complications, but, um, you know, then I got my biopsy results back and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, at that point it was stage 1A. Mm. Um, it was very, very early. I was very, very lucky. <laughs> right. Because ovarian cancer is typically diagnosed when it's too late to do a mm. whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, it's like a silent killer. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was very lucky with that experience. But that let us know that, okay, like we need to pay attention to this. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I got regular pap smears. I got regular checkouts. I got regular sonograms. I got regular MRIs and CT scans. Mm-hmm. And when this time came around, it was already at the back of my mind, you know, because mm. I had already had this experience. Yeah, yeah. But the first experience, when it's sort of like discovered by accident, I wasn't as jolted, you know, it right. was <laughs> it's like you don't know what you don't know so it was like oh <laughs> right right yeah. it was like oh, okay we got we got rid of it we didn't have to do a whole lot so it was mm-hmm. like all right back to life right and uh and this time around was very 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 different this time mm-hmm. around was was uh i had to grapple with just you know relating wisely with my pain both mm. physically and mentally and how to be compassionate towards myself, mm-hmm. how to remain compassionate towards other people because right. I went through a period of, ha- I guess I didn't have to tell people, but I went through a period of telling people and them, and them not showing a lot of empathy because it was like, oh, okay, uh, this person just told me this. I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> right, right, right. And so I went through some of that, and I really started to get kind of angry at mm-hmm. the responses that I would get. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, like, you know, the whole period of, like, being really ill. I mean, I was really, really, really ill, having mm-hmm. a very complex surgery, getting better, Mm-hmm. Um, really just due to like amazing doctors, but also due to an amazing community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like one thing I can say that I've been really blessed with is that folks, folks rally around me. Like I've right. never seen 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that is such a privilege and right. that fills me with so much warmth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I received so much support and, you know, people came to see me a lot. They brought me so many different things like the murder of crows you know some of those Mm -hmm. folks were great like Mm -hmm. my friend leah her her parents are in medicine and so she brought me this bomb because like with chemo your skin gets unbelievably dry and peely Mm -hmm. and itchy and she brought me this bomb that i used all the time the only things i could keep down were like blackberry greens and avocados Hmm, interesting And, like, my diet was already restricted, so it's like mm-hmm. she brought me guacamole, like, consistently. Mm-hmm. I mean, months after I got better, like, she brought me guacamole. And, um, yeah, that that experience was, was huge in my life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I learned, I learned just so many different things from it. And now I'm, I am an even more compassionate and even more empathetic person mm-hmm. than I was before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, again, it, it, the, the fact that, you know, not only, you know, you, you dealt with this twice and you, you know, uh, had surgery and, you know, kind of, you know, got yourself back to a healthy state, but then just to come back and like, just crush powerlifting again, like, how did you even find the, I don't know what the word is to, to even think about, okay, now it's time to go lift again. Like, how do you, how did you get from that point to that point? Cause I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Oh my gosh. It was really, really, really rough. So, um, before the second round of my treatment, um, my fiance and I decided to against all medical advice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try this at I'll home, this folks. Out there. Do not try this at home. <laughs> against all medical advice, we decided to go like island hopping, right? Mm-hmm. Like really just, I mean, for the soul, it was yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for my body, it was rough. Mm. but I really needed the experience of not being in a hospital bed. I needed the experience of not being in bed at home. Right. I needed, like, I I just needed a a, a change. I needed different scenery. So we did that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I came back and I started new treatment. And once I got back, I just had this shift in mindset where, um, where, like, I... I wanted to not be in pain anymore mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, physically and mentally. And, mm-hmm. um, I decided to like, I was on fentanyl and I was on oxy and I was like, mm-hmm. like I was just on a lot of different things. Sorry if this right. is triggering to anyone dealing with any sort of like opioid addiction or anything like that. But, um, I'll put a, I'll put a trigger warning in there. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I was on just, just a lot of, a lot of things prescribed, um, obviously. And I decided that I didn't, I, I wanted to feel things again, because the thing about being on really strong drugs is that mm-hmm. you, you don't feel connected to your spirit. You don't feel connected right. to your mind. You don't feel connected to what your body's experiencing because the whole point of it is to numb you. Right. And I came back and I, I, I really had a strong urge to, to just not feel like that anymore. So I mm-hmm. I got off of everything and I was like, hey, I realized that when I lift and when I work out, 
it makes my physical pain a little bit more bearable. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> and so I got back in the gym, and that first day was really defeating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I didn't try to do anything crazy, but right. I I tried to do a pull up, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I, my 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 brain had no relationship to my core mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'd had this really drastic open surgery. Right. I had like seven different like open wounds and mm. I just I I could not make my body work succinctly as one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, hey, you know, I'm 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 gonna keep trying at this. But it was also because I had all the support and all these right. people were like, hey, you can beat this. You can get better. Not only can you get better, but you can be stronger than you were before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt that in my soul and I believed it. And mm-hmm. my coach was like very, very gentle about it. Mm-hmm. But he was like, hey, whenever you want to get back, I'm here. Right. And I think just having that person there who I knew would guide me along the way mm-hmm. and I wouldn't do anything crazy you know I wouldn't do anything that would screw up my recovery right but he would really just be there to help physically mm-hmm. and emotionally with my with my programming and training and knowing that I had him in my corner made me feel really capable right <laughs> of being right. back and I I, I, I stuck foot in the gym when most people wouldn't and honestly shouldn't. <laughs> right, right. But because I already was strong when I got right, sick. Right, um, And even the folks in the hospital, I mean, when I when I took my first walk, they were shocked that I was sitting up and I was mm-hmm. walking and they were like, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> right. Um, and I learned about how much just like, you know, having muscle like helps with right. recovery. Yeah. Um, and how much that would help me get better. So I got back in the gym. And then after a couple months later, um, my coach was like, hey, so you're doing really well. Uh, do you want to compete? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking this dude's nuts. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking it was crazy. I was like, there's right. no way I can like have cancer, have major surgery, have chemo, like beat it. You know, well, I, right. hadn't, I hadn't even beat it yet, but right. I'm like, there's no way I could do all this and like in the same year and compete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. And last November we got into a meet. It, it's, it, it was the best meet of my lifting career. Mm. Um, I did so well. I felt so strong. I took right. such good care of myself. Right. And, right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really amazed that I was able to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it was amazing. Um, I know, you know, again, just kind of following you along that journey, um, one of the things that struck me about you and and has really even impacted me significantly was, you know, sort of your ability to kind of focus on, um, you know, meditation and, you know, kind of all of these sort of mind body connection things to kind of aid in your recovery. Um, and like I said, you know, both you and, you know, and my husband, who's been after me about this for 20 years, mm-hmm. um, you know, really influenced me to start meditating. And even in the short amount of time that I've done it, it it's been an incredible game changer in my life. 
Um, so I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about sort of what your pathway was, was like, were you always someone who, you know, practiced mindfulness and meditation or was it something that came later and how did that impact again, kind of your, your, um, your illness and your, your recovery? Yeah. So I found meditating, um, probably about three, uh, three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, I met someone who I would describe as a spiritual soulmate. Mm-hmm. And the way I view soulmates is not in a romantic sense. It's right. not in a conventional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a very deep spiritual connection with someone who I felt like I have always known <laughs> just mm-hmm. seeing them mm-hmm. for the first time. Right. And it felt like such a draw. It felt so powerful. And this was someone who meditated constantly, mm-hmm. um, you know, who would be like off the grid for most of the year randomly, mm-hmm. <laughs> just lived a very unconventional lifestyle. Right. And um, he introduced me to the Dhammapada, which is uh, like a, a, a series of books um, mm-hmm. about the teachings of the Buddha. Okay. And at we'll that, link those in the show notes too. <laughs> yeah, those. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also on Audible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cool. And that was an incredible experience. And from there, I started to experiment with meditation, but I had a lot of expectations of what it should be. Right. So you know, we see people meditate, and they're sitting in a very specific stance. Right. Right. <laughs> and they look a very particular way, and. Mm-hmm. Um, we think, oh, like, you know, this doesn't look comfortable, but I'll try. Right. And we kind of force it. And mm-hmm. that's the opposite of what meditation should feel like. Okay. Um, and then I just learned that, hey, it doesn't matter if you're standing, sitting, lying, however you're going to do this, as long as you can take even a moment. Mm-hmm form really deep breaths mm-hmm. be connected to how your body feels like how yeah. is my big toe feeling right now like how often <laughs> right how exactly often are we even thinking about those things yeah, you know like yeah, we're yeah. thinking about the really big stuff right, um right and like what is the pace of my breathing like am i reacting to a situation am i getting tense am i mm-hmm. clenching my jaw like all of these different things so i just started trying to be more aware of what my body was experiencing and what my body was experiencing those sensations as a reaction to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that really helped me a lot um, with with everything, with my career, with my mm-hmm. interpersonal relationships, with lifting. Uh, right. It transformed the way that I view the world, the way that Mm -hmm. I view other people, um, how much I feel offended by things that other people do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, how much I take things personally, you know, like it, it really transformed, um, a whole lot for me. So that helped me deal with my illness in a very unique way. Like I was in the Mm -hmm. hospital getting Reiki, you know, which is like breath work and like, (laughs) so, I mean, that's also a privilege, right? To have a hospital that provides those services for cancer patients. Yeah. yeah, But, um, but I was able to really believe that all of these things would help me and whether, it's a placebo effect and it's just in my head or whether there is some kind of connection between, you know, what we tell ourselves, how we feel, how we breathe and how Mm -hmm. we recover. 
mm-hmm. whatever the relationship is, that's something that was really helpful for me and still is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I have absolutely, you know, no factual evidence of this or anecdotal or anything, but I really do believe that our minds are so powerful that, you know, they really do kind of telegraph where we go, you know, whether it be with health or other things in life, like it's just that powerful. Um, And we, you know, I don't think, you know, we often have the opportunity or sort of know how to tap into just even a minor inkling of that. So um, that being said, you know, again, if if there are folks out there that are like, oh, this meditation thing sounds pretty interesting. What are some kind of, you know, low points of entry, shall we say, you know, ways to explore meditation and whether that be like online or through an app or what have you, like, what are some kind of unintimidating ways someone could start kind of looking into that pathway especially black folk because you know us we ain't yeah you know i mean there's a whole other layer about you know folks that are you know kind of very religious and you know meditation is this and meditation is that and just in general we don't you know necessarily put enough focus on our mental health so what are some ways that you know we can you know kind of or, or someone could look into that yeah yeah so i mean especially you know, with folks who are like highly skeptical or, you know, they may feel like this is in some way a betrayal to their religion. Maybe that's putting it harshly, but you know, um, people, people feel this way. So I would say to approach meditation as just breath work, Mm -hmm. really, Mm -hmm. that's just it, you know, um, can I take five deep, slow breaths right now? Right. Can I do that while being really aware of what my Mm -hmm. body is feeling? You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. Um, so it can start really as simple as that. Like throughout your day, can I take a second to just like breathe deeply and think about or just not think, you know, like, can I just like take a second to do that? Like, because we all deserve to pay some attention to like our inner consciousness. Um, and we all deserve to pay some attention to how our bodies are feeling and what our bodies are reacting to. So I would say to really just approach it that way, you know, Mm -hmm. um, just like sit quietly, have some quiet time with yourself. Like that's incredible. Um, and in that way you don't have to look at it as like, this is Buddhist or this is anything, you know, like it's not part of a religion. It's just you. Yeah, you don't have to be sitting in the lotus position and, you know, <laughs> chanting or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't yeah. have to look a particular way. It's just you being in tune with you. Um, right. You know, a step up from that, there are a lot of apps that you can download. Yeah. Um, Breathe mm-hmm. is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, at this point, I, I haven't tried a lot of meditation apps. I've tried them right. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a really, really great entry point for anybody right. who's, you know, a little greener, with like aspects of meditation Mm -hmm. um those help a lot a lot of them are only like two minute intervals that you meditate which is pretty doable yeah um there's uh there's i mean there's like meditation centers if you Mm -hmm. are comfortable being in meditation and learning about meditation with other people right um that can be really powerful as well actually Mm -hmm. and in some ways it, it can make it easier Um, to go through like, you know, a 10 minute meditation, if you find it difficult to do like by yourself at home. Yeah. Say, are there any, um, 
like accounts on Instagram or anything on social media that you tend to, you know, sort of go to when you're looking for, you know, something in that respect. I, you know, you always post these such amazing things in your Instagram stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Let me go, you know, go see what she's talking about. So are there any yeah. particular accounts or people that you follow on social media that um, might be helpful for folks looking to get into meditation? Um, there's there's no one I follow um, that that I, I can recommend right now, but uh-huh. there is an app called Dharma Seed and it's D-H-A-R-M-A-S-E-E-D. Oh, okay. um, uh-huh. That app is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's also like dharmaseed.org, which is just okay. a website accompanying mm-hmm. the app. Uh, there's lots of guided meditations there. Guided meditations okay. are a great way to, to get into meditating. Right. Um, and there's also a lot of talks. And the talks I find incredibly helpful mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because they touch on lots of things like compassion, empathy, equanimity, you know, a, a right. lot of different like facets um of like buddhism really uh mm-hmm. but yeah that 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 app i listen to like on the daily <laughs> it's okay, just cool. it's great cool. definitely um so just to bounce back just a little bit to powerlifting so um what's a typical week of training like for you like what is what does your training look like now i know you're gearing up for a meet um in the not too distant future yeah. um so what does that kind of look like for you yeah, and by the way, I cannot wait to compete with you. So I'll just add that in there. I don't know what you're talking about. It's gonna about. be amazing. <laughs> okay, let's pretend. <laughs> in the future, at some point, I cannot right, wait to compete right, with right, you. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think I'm probably. I think it's twelve weeks out now. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> twelve weeks minus two, three days. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, so that's that's happening, uh, which is USAPL Nationals um, in mm-hmm. October, mm-hmm. and yeah, I am in. And you also have kind of another little small minor thing happening in October, you know. So it's yeah, not like you're busy. Just, just a little, <laughs> a little something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the weekend before that, I'm getting married, so I'm like two and a half months out from my wedding. <laughs> Girl, I don't know how you are doing this because let me tell you something. Both of the like, I ooh, ooh, I just admire you so much because there's just no way in hell. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a, uh, it is not again a suggestion that I would, right? I would not recommend this. <laughs> Um, you know what though? It's it, it's actually besides being overwhelming, it's been right. kind of fun getting ready for two major, yeah, you know, life events, events. Yeah, 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 around yeah. the same time. And I'm sure it'll feel stressful, but I also think mm-hmm. it'll be exciting. So yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready for yeah for nationals and um, mm-hmm. my training. Um, I powerlift. I have four powerlifting sessions a week. Uh-huh. Um, so I squat twice a week, I bench four times a week, and mm-hmm. I deadlift twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, although it kind of seems like I only deadlift because <laughs> like, I, it's my favorite lift. And, right, um, right. and I have two really big deadlifting sessions um, Yeah, per week and then a lot mm-hmm. of deadlift accessories. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of always deadlifting. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but that's, that's, my, that's my powerlifting programming. And... I have like on Tuesdays, I like to do fun things. Um, right. So, 
yeah, like I, I have this thing where I might make this a thing that I do for like cancer research charity. A friend suggested this mm-hmm. actually in mm-hmm. the gym. And I was like, you know what? I think I should make this a thing where, um, right. yeah, so it's, it, it may be like a hundred pull up challenge because oh, on okay. Tuesdays sometimes I do a hundred pull ups, not consecutively. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but I get a hundred pull ups done in, I don't mm-hmm. know, 30 or so minutes or whatever it is. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, so Tuesdays, I do fun things. I do things that uh, I want to try if I see it on social media. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. this looks like it might be fun. And it also might help me, you know, be fit or more conditioned or just do different things. Uh, Yeah, so that's that's what it looks like. On weekends, I like to do various active things as well. If I'm not actively doing wedding planning things, then Mm -hmm. um, I do like little home workouts um, or I go sprinting at the track, um, or I go hiking, although I haven't been doing as much of that. Uh huh. So I really, really love being active. Yeah, it sounds like you mix it up a lot, which is always fun. I do, yeah. So, in terms of, um, I don't like to use the word diet, but in terms of nutrition, right? So, you know, in terms of whether it be to, you know, uh, compete or just generally sort of whatever your goals are, do you ascribe to a particular way of eating? Um, or you just kind of like, you know, you just kind of wing it. Like what's your typical, um, nutritional makeup look like? Yeah. So I am very, my, my, again, like I, I understand the hesitation to use the word diet, but (laughs) my, my diet is very vegetable heavy. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, even when I'm not in the mood, I just force myself. I eat a lot of veggies. I Mm -hmm. think micronutrients are Mm -hmm. essential. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, They're incredibly important, especially with me now being in remission, thankfully. Um, So I I eat quite a a lot of vegetables. Um, So my main diet are like kind of meat, potatoes, and veggies. Uh, Right, right. I I make a lot of green smoothies um, Mm -hmm. about four to five a week. Uh, which have like rainbow chard, kale, spinach, mm-hmm. um, maca root, and protein powder, almond milk. Um, yeah, so I, I I try to eat in a way that's uh, not inflammatory. Right. Uh, one because I am re- in remission, I, w- I, w- I would like it to stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and two because I feel better. Uh, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. less pain when I eat that way, and yes. I'm able to perform, you know, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also drink a lot of water. I'd recommend mm-hmm. that to anybody. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. So th- this is the part of the podcast. It's kind of my favorite part. Um, yeah. I just get to ask a lot of fun questions and get in your business. I'm so, excited. Yes. Um, so I guess the first one is what's on your playlist, both for training and just kind of chilling out? Uh, my chilling out music, which is literally what my playlist is called, chilling out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of labyrinth. Um mm-hmm there's uh, gosh I mean this is when I'm gonna go blank and like remembering people's names but Mm -hmm. uh there's like some neo soul music there there's a lot of like singer songwriter stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and my working out playlist is basically all hip-hop I mean okay see I guess what I knew (laughs) every day I find out why I love you more and more we are just like kindred spirits there we go for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah so I mean about the 
the only time I listen to like hip hop so heavily is definitely when I'm training or, mm-hmm. or working out. Uh, so that's, that, that's kind of mixed with like a lot of old school stuff. I really love yeah. Nas. So I listen to mm-hmm, him a lot. Mm-hmm. Nas, yes. Talib Kweli, um, most deaf. So I yes. mix it up with like some old stuff and then mm-hmm. some like some newer things. I just found out about little Dicky, like, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know where I've been. <laughs> <laughs> Same place I've probably been. Yeah, right. But um, he's hilarious. Like, I Mm -hmm. mean, it's his. Yeah, it's hip hop. It's it's funny. It's Mm lighthearted. Right. He doesn't seem to to take himself too seriously. Um. Mm -hmm. So I've really been enjoying him, especially with uh, with with training. But when I'm not training, I am very. uh, I'm very mindful. I'm very censored. I'm. Mm -hmm. You know, I I need to decompress. So just a lot of slower music, harp music as well. Like Amy Turk is my favorite Mm -hmm. harpist and, um, Mm -hmm. and her harp remixes of contemporary music are incredible. Hmm. So I, I've been listening to some of that as well. Okay, cool. So, um, it's your... I hate to say this because I've used this terminology before, but I don't want to use this terminology. So let's say God has said to you, okay, this is the last final meal you could ever eat, right? What are you uh-huh. eating? Ooh, food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I get very excited about food. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same, same. <laughs> so I would have a couple lobster tails um, mm-hmm. and a dry aged a dry age like porterhouse, yes. I think. Yes. Uh, and a gl- probably a glass of wine, maybe a mm-hmm. ki- maybe a uh, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. maybe yeah, just some sort of drink. Okay. Are you a dessert person at all, or? Um, I I, I sort of am. I mean, mm-hmm. there are probably about like three desserts that I like. I don't mm-hmm. like ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, maybe like for dessert, probably I, 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 again, I don't know where I've been, but I found out about brownie Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm very late to like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. an American thing. I think right, I was going to say, like, like, maybe <laughs> other things that are like kind of more, you know, U S pop culture. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I found out about brownie Sundays and I, I think they're incredible. Mm-hmm. I wish I had them my how whole you, life. How do you, wait, 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 back up. You just said you don't like ice cream. I know, I know. So, so, I, <laughs> so what I you put in your brownie Sunday, girl? <laughs> I only like ice cream when it's on top of a warm ah, brownie. Okay. But it okay. has to be like, uh, like gourmet ice cream. Ice okay. cream, like either homemade or like some sort of. It has to be really rich ice cream. Mm, okay. Um, okay. And then, and then I love it. Otherwise, I'm 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 a froyo girl. Like frozen yeah, yogurt is my okay, favorite. Yeah. Okay, cool. What's your favorite uh, froyo flavor? Uh, so anything from Pingberry, I'm a fan of. Okay. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And my favorite froyo probably green tea. Uh, why did I know you were going to say that? I don't know. Why. <laughs> you can just feel me, I think. Right. Yes, 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 yes. You give me a green tea vibe. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Cool, cool. So what does a day of self-care look like for Kay? A day of self-care um, alone, mm-hmm. preferably. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
honestly alone sitting or laying on my living room floor Mm -hmm. um, either in guided meditation or listening to a talk Mm -hmm. that I deeply resonate with or listening to like an audiobook that I deeply Mm -hmm. resonate with Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. that's that's a pretty perfect day okay I like it so okay we're thinking about your senses now, right? So tell me what smell, sound, and taste represent love to you or remind mm. you of love. Smell, sound, and taste. So mm-hmm. for smell, mm-hmm. the smell of amber mixed with oud, mm. uh, it's a very strong, like sensual, sexy kind of Middle mm-hmm. Eastern smell. Okay. Um, yeah, but amber mixed with oud uh, make me make me think of love. It almost okay. like makes me innately feel love. Okay. Uh, sound. Um, the violin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hearing like really soothing violin music uh-huh. makes me think of love. Uh, okay. hearing the water, mm-hmm. um, hearing waves makes me, makes me think of love. Um, and small sound and taste. Um, mm-hmm. what taste makes me think of love? This is a really good question. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, a taste that makes me think of love. I'm not quite sure. I haven't, I haven't had that association in my mind yet but you better believe mm-hmm. i'm going to <laughs> see now it. you're now you're on a journey <laughs> i'm on a journey um yeah i would i would think anything anything maybe really savory with like mm-hmm. a smooth a smooth texture okay yeah okay all right so hollywood has decided to make a biopic of your life right um, what is the title of your movie and who is going to play you? Huh. Uh, the title of my movie. I think, what can I think of right now? Um, I would say something along the lines of like, relating beautifully or relating Ooh. with compassion I like that <laughs> um because I I strongly strongly identify with our mm-hmm. ability to relate to each other and learn from each other as mm-hmm. humans uh yeah through everything and who would play me that's a good question, especially since I know like nothing about like pop culture or who's <laughs> in right now. <laughs> well, you know, you can do everything, so you could play your damn self, quite frankly. Maybe, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say like, you know, maybe like a little like curly haired black girl if it's me okay. as like a kid or okay. me as an adult. Anyone who shares my perspective on life. I, I like it. Yeah, I think someone playing me would have more to do with them embodying my spirit more than mm-hmm. resembling me. So, okay. What is one thing people may be surprised to find out that you can't do or can't do well? 
so I am very structured. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I assume positions of leadership almost mm-hmm. all the like I I'm not a bossy person I don't think right. but but um I'm just so structured that I always have preferences yes. with everything and so yeah. I have no sense of direction like I if we go somewhere and you oh, walk Lord. away from me <laughs> I will feel this inner panic that's hilarious <laughs> It's like I'm a little kid again because I don't remember like uh-huh. if we I don't remember how we got here in the first place. That so is funny. I although I must know. say every picture <laughs> I've seen of you, Kevin is driving. Yeah, <laughs> so that might be okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a really good reason behind that. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, that yeah. that surprises me a little bit. But now, like I said, now that I've put two and two together, I'm like, okay, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now I want to do like a little bit of word association. We're going to get a little psychological here. Um, so I'm going to give you a phrase, and I want you to just give me the first word to fill in the phrase that pops into your mind, right? Okay. You ready? Yep. Okay. I believe in? Compassion. Success is? Being a good person. Okay. That's not really one word, but that's oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll get back on track. <laughs> okay. Focus, focus. Okay. K is? Beautiful. Oh, damn. You took my other... <laughs> Hold on. You got me, y'all. See, this is... Okay. Strength is? Courageous. Black is. Powerful. Yes. That's a mic drop moment. Um, So before we finish, this is always kind of my last question or a thing for uh, my guests. So tell me what K of today would tell mm, 12-year-old K and 22-year-old K. What words of advice would she give them? So Kay of today would tell 12-year-old Kay that she won't always feel alone. Mm-hmm. That she would find ways of... That she would find ways of like feeling loved and warmth even if she was physically by herself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And KF today was held 22 year old K that everyone's on their own journey and mm. you can't fix them. And that it doesn't really matter how much love and compassion or empathy you have everyone has to sort of pave their own way and get to things eventually on their own. I like it. So where can the folks find you on the internet, Kay? So I am very active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And my Instagram is K and Kilos. Mm-hmm. So that's K-A-Y-A-N-D-K-I-L-O-S. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really about it. I have a Facebook okay. page that I do not check. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> professionally, to connect okay. with me, um, I'm on LinkedIn under my mm-hmm. full name, Kay Gomsal. Okay. Cool. Man, this has been amazing because a lot of this I knew, but a lot of it I didn't. So I feel like I know you so much better now. Um, that's great. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you this evening and share you with our audience because you are an absolute gift. I hope you know that. Thank you. Um, and you are no longer a guest, so you can come back on the podcast anytime you want to talk about whatever you want. So all you need to do is just hit me up and be like, I got something on my spirit. I got something to say. And we can do it again and again and again. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and thank you to everyone listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your patience with some of my, uh, you know, uh, sketchy scheduling with this podcast, but life gets in the way. But I appreciate yeah. um, you supporting the podcast. You can find us on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Chocolate Bar Podcast. We're on the Twitters at Chalk the Chalk no Chalk Bar Podcast, um, and we have a Facebook fa- page that feeds into Instagram and a website that has stuff on it. Sometimes www.thechocolatebarpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Kay, for um, sharing yourself with us. Love you to life. Um, see you at the bar. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.